Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about sudden death syndrome in soybeans. And this is a great time of year to talk about it because we just got done with harvest. We got yield results. There are trials out there. You probably had trials in your area that you can find the data from your local land-grant university or maybe from your seed dealer if they ran some trials on this too. And here's what we see. Uh, I'll just start with this. Sudden death syndrome in soybeans, when we talk about lots of different diseases out there, this is one that, that's intimidating because it definitely takes a lot of yield. But there are solutions for it. You can add a seed treatment to your soybeans. And I know, I know, they're not cheap. I wish they were. I really do. Maybe if there's a third or fourth competitor here with similar performance to Olivo and Saltro, maybe the price will come down then. Maybe when one of those has a patent that runs out and there's generic competition, well, I know what's going to happen then. Of course, the price will go down at that point. But still, you think about it this way. These companies put tons and tons of money into the research, trying to find new chemistries, trying to find things that will work. And when they do, they do need to make some money on that so they can afford to invest in that next product down the road that we're going to need for something else. Now, sudden death syndrome, it doesn't happen every year in every spot. But if you're in an area where you get it even one out of 10 years, I believe the seed treatment is worth spending the money on 10 out of 10 years. Here's why. When you say, okay, the seed treatment, Darren, it's going to cost me roughly $10 per acre, give or take a few bucks, depending on where you're getting it from. So say it costs $10 an acre, that's one bushel of soybeans. Well, for one bushel of soybeans, is it worth doing? On years where SDS is bad, it's taking 10 bushels or even more in many cases. Just look at the trial data. I, I'm not blowing this thing up. The trial data says it all. Gosh, there's a trial right across the border from us in Minnesota. So within about an hour of our farm last year, that it was more than 10 bushels. It was closer to 20 bushels in a lot of cases versus the untreated checks. Well, 20 bushels for a $10 treatment, are you kidding me? That's $200 an acre you're going to lose? You just paid for all the Saltro or Olivo you're going to spend over the next 20 years. Why would you not do that? I, I can't afford to take those 20 bushel hits. I'd rather take the one bushel that it costs me to put that seed treatment on and not have to worry that I'm going to lose the 20 because here's what happens. Sudden death syndrome comes in and yeah, that may take your 10 or 20 bushels off, but now that plant is weak. Now something else comes in. Now the secondary things start hitting you, and it's more yield loss and more yield loss. Well, it also works in the reverse, though. So if we can solve most of the rest of the problems in our field, then sudden death syndrome is less likely to hurt us that 10-plus bushels. For example, SDS thrives very well in wet soil. So if you have invested a lot of money in drain tile and you have good levels of calcium in your soil, you have reduced soil compaction, you've done everything you can to build soil organic matter. So with all these factors, then that's going to mean you're less likely to have a drainage issue. Well, then you're going to have less problem when sudden death syndrome does hit. If you pick a more tolerant seed variety every time you plant beans, if you apply Fortix at R1, I mean like right at R1, that's the only fungicide foliar that's labeled for suppression. If you use rye, oats, or brassica cover crops, they have been shown to found uh, they have been shown to reduce sudden death syndrome. And if you plant your non-SDS fields and your tolerant varieties first, that's absolutely the way to go. 
they will usually say plant just a little bit later in those SDS fields. But the problem is, I think we all know, if you plant late, then you're going to lose a bunch of yield that way. On so, average, you're going to lose more yield than you're losing from the SDS. Well, it's it's kind of crazy because that- All depends on what we mean by late. So, you know, by well, late for me, I'm talking the 5th of May. So late for a lot of people would be the 31st of May. They're, they're talking about saying. a little later than the 5th of May, Brian. But yeah, but I'm what, just saying that'd be our last planting, hopefully. Right. So what you want to do is, okay, let's just say your window for planting is April 25th to May 5th. And that's what I'd say ours is in our farm. We'd love to get every bean in the ground in that time frame. Well, if you're going to plant beans in a field that has had SDS in the past, we'd recommend planting a tolerant variety and we'd say, okay, well, if that's your window, let's plant these towards May 5th. So we're not saying, well, shut the planter off for two weeks and then come back at the end of May and do it. Yeah, you will have less SDS incidents, but you'll also have a lot less yield. So just push it back towards the end of your normal planting window. That would help. And I don't remember if you mentioned compaction or not, Brian. That I did. That was the main thing is yeah. when you start talking about wet soils, why do you have wet soils? It's because you don't have tile, because you do have soil compaction. And you got to look at what are the other factors that contribute to both of those. And that's why I just said you got to build soil organic matter and have good levels of, of calcium. And specifically, let's, let's talk about what we mean by good levels of calcium. That's at least 65% base saturation uh, calcium, if not 75. Personally, I would prefer 75. That'll give you a lot more porosity. All right. So when it comes to sudden death syndrome, we're going to talk about that throughout the show today, but we would just really encourage you, if there's even a chance you're going to have sudden death syndrome, you, you need to do everything possible to manage through this because like Darren said earlier, it's 10 to, in some cases, 20 bushels for a yield loss. So personally, I don't worry about this disease nearly as much as I worry about sclerotinia white mold. It hasn't impacted our region very hard yet, but that very well could happen in the not too distant future. So we need to be paying attention to it. Not the worst disease ever, but definitely a bad one. And here's the, the other thing that I'll say. A lot of times where guys have this problem is when they have planted early, when they think, oh, conditions are good and I'm off to a good start and this is all great. But there's one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's soil fertility. So we talk all the time about stress and minimizing stress. And that's why I said, you know, wet soils and compaction and use a seed treatment, use a fungicide, all that stuff is great. But soil fertility is huge. It's just like human beings. If you are not well-fed and maintaining a proper diet, you're more likely to get sick. Same thing happens in the field. And the number one issue we see, lack of potassium. you got to get your base saturation K above 4%, if not even 6%, if you want great soybeans and much more tolerant soybeans to diseases. I'm going to talk about SDS and take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. 
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, making claims of improving soil health and plant development. But which products will work best on your farm? Well, that's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about one of the biggest challenges in soybean production, especially over the last decade or so. It's been sudden death syndrome in soybeans. Now, it's not in all areas of the country, but Brian has kind of laid out a case for, man, here's the acres where we see more problems with it, and here are a few of the things that we can do for management. Uh, got a friend, Travis Gustafson, with Syngenta down in Nebraska on right now. Travis, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Was it a bad sudden death syndrome year in Nebraska, or, or did you have one of those off years where, you know, it didn't hit us as hard as it does other years? No, it was pretty bad for us this year. I think if you if you think back to the planting time frame, uh, we were throwing a lot of beans in the ground when soil temps were in the upper 40s, lower 50s, and it just wasn't a great time for uh, us to be planting. The calendar was right, but the soil temps weren't quite there, so we had a lot of, of that sudden death in fact early on and then it really showed up in august when those foliar symptoms come out hey let's talk more about that early planting thing because you, you said the calendar might have been right and I, honestly i don't think the calendar necessarily is right either i talked to some guys down in nebraska that they're like yeah we're planting earlier than we ever have before and and they liked it they got good yields this year so i think it's certainly a trend going forward we're going to have earlier planting which makes this even more of a concern that's right. Yeah, every year it seems like we push those planting dates earlier and earlier on beans. I think some people are even starting to put put them in the ground a little bit before their corn. And uh, so seed treatments become all the more important uh, when we're trying to keep those beans healthy. You know, you've got a new seed treatment, and when we look at Saltro, the, the data has just been really compelling here the last couple of years. Wow, it's been a night and day difference versus untreated checks, but but yet it's not perfect. And I, I want anyone that, that hears me talk about this to know that doesn't mean you're not going to see any symptomology at all, but my goodness, is it a yield advantage. Yeah, it's a huge yield advantage, and, and I, I, I'm telling people, if you've got sudden death, if you know you're going to have it and you're going to plant early, Make sure you pick that variety that's got good tolerance first and then treat it with Saltro um, because, you you know, if you just forget about that sudden death rating on your variety, 
uh, even if you put a seed treatment on it, you're still asking for trouble. So it's it's a whole package. It's not just put this treatment on and you'll be fine. Um, there's a lot more to consider than just a seed treatment here. But that definitely is a big part of it. Well, you kind of got into to some of this too, talking about the soil conditions at planting. And, and I know for a lot of guys uh, this year, they were fairly dry in some areas, but not so much in others. There's other areas that get a lot of rain in the fall. Are we going to be able to get soil conditions in shape or we'll have a nice seed bed for next spring? Well, I hope so. There's a, there's a long ways to go between now and planting. So, um, you know, things can change between now and then. We The dry soils could turn wet and hopefully the if they're stopping wet right now, um, things will dry out before we get to planting. But, yeah, it all boils down to what are the conditions at planting time and shortly thereafter, are they cold, are they wet? Um, if you've got both of those, you're looking at a, a strong possibility for some good sudden death that year. We had some guys bring up uh, with with various diseases and SDS being one of them. Oh, I don't know about the uh, one. It's funny because one farmer would say, "I don't know about these enlist varieties. They they don't handle sudden death." And then the next, uh, honestly, be the next farmer we talk to. Oh, I don't know about these extend varieties. <laughs> they aren't very good. Is there any trait that's better at this, or is it just a variety by variety thing? I, I've seen it on both you know, trait platforms. Um, I think it's just a variety by variety at this point. I, I'm not gonna, I don't know. uh, I haven't seen enough um, to say it's all this one trait package, but I've seen sudden death show up real bad on both. So I, you know, for me, it's just a variety by variety. Talk to your seed salesman about, you know, how, how well does this one hold up to sudden death? Um, Because I don't think you can make a blanket statement about the whole family of traits products out there um it's it's variety by variety as far as i can tell right now yeah i I agree with you travis hey one last question since you are in nebraska and there are a lot of irrigated acres there did you notice a difference with sds on irrigated acres versus dry land i know sometimes the the guys will say well we can always hold off irrigation and and try and keep that soil dry a little bit in the spring did that make a difference for guys with irrigation um it can make a difference. It didn't really make a difference this year because we got some rains right around planting time. Um, so, you know, holding off on that irrigation didn't really, wouldn't have really helped because we were already wet enough. Uh, but in other years, yeah, it can make a difference where you'll, uh, you know, if you hold back on the irrigation, maybe you'll see a little bit better uh, prognosis for the field. But uh, if you overwater, um, certainly won't run into some problems, or maybe the quarters will show up a little bit better. Yeah, it can make a difference. It didn't really make a difference this year for us, though. All right, we're speaking with Travis Gustafson here. He works with Syngenta down in the state of Nebraska. Travis, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info, and good luck to you here heading into the winter. Thanks a lot. Let's head over to Illinois. We've got Harry on with us right now who farms there and, and has experienced this SDS firsthand. Harry, how are you doing today? Well, I'm better than I deserve. Awesome, awesome. Are you guys uh, still harvesting there, or you got everything wrapped up? Got seventeen acres of corn left. Oh no, I'm I'm sorry. I asked. I, I was talking to another guy who had six acres left, and, and he had a breakdown. And he's like, "Just, just when we get this close, please don't ask. Yeah. I don't want to jinx well, anything." We, but we had a breakdown today, but I think we're still going to make it. All right. So the beans are all out. What did you see this year in the beans? Did you see much SDS in your part of Illinois? I did not see a lot. We, uh, I was a little concerned about it because we planted all our beans first. We started on April the 6th and got done on the 30th. 
and uh, I I thought maybe we would have some trouble, but uh, we really didn't, and uh, we didn't put any anything on there that's supposed to work on sudden death. I I guess we just the luck of the draw. We didn't get the we didn't get the moisture when we when we didn't need it in order to for that to show up. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the tough things about SDS. It's not like, well, once you have it every single year, it's going to be a 10-bushel loss if you don't. It, some years it's worse than others. And, you know, going back into, if I'm assuming you're in a corn-soybean rotation next year, you'll be going back into some ground that's had SDS in the past. Did you see it in just parts of fields, or do you see something happening across the whole field? Uh, just parts of the field. Uh, some of the beans those beans that we planted on April the 6th, they got hammered twice by two frosts, and uh, we were really surprised that we really didn't have to replant that 20 acres as as, uh, as much as damage as a frost had done. We had we had a lot of residue out there, and, and in some ways the residue worked against us in that uh, where the residue was the worst, that's where the frost didn't allow the heat from the soil from that to uh, radiate up and keep the frost from forming. So, uh, we didn't really see much damage widespread across the field. There were a few spots where we noticed that there was a little more damage from sudden death, but it wasn't anything you really could see on the yield monitor. Everybody says you've got to start with a variety with good tolerance to SDS, and I, I don't think that's a bad recommendation at all. When you're looking at soybean varieties, is SDS one of the things at the top of your list you're looking for, or, or what kind of characteristics help you choose your seed? Well, we plant a little wheat, so we we uh, try to pick a number that uh, a few varieties that are uh, numbers that are early maturing so that we can get our wheat planted. Other than that, we try to look for something that has over the years uh, really stood the test of time of being trait, being resistant to that sudden death. Uh, I guess you're never going to find one that's completely resistant, but you're going to find some that are more tolerant of it than others. You bet. All right, last question for you. You're harvesting corn, finishing up. What kind of moisture are you still running on the corn, and did you turn out to have a decent year for yields? Uh, it wasn't quite as good as last year, uh, but it was pretty good. Uh, right now, this corn's about 14.8, I think, was the last load that went to the elevator. So that's that's pretty good. The standability is not too good and not getting any better, but uh, uh, I, think, I think we're going to get through it. Yep, yep, outstanding. Well, good luck to you here, Harry. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about sudden death syndrome and and some of the things around your farm really appreciate that thank you keep up oh brian oh sorry harry i cut you off just at the end as you were saying that i really appreciate that harry though we're talking about sudden death syndrome in soybeans on today's program stay tuned we'll be right back Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. 
Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. Winter is here, and that means it's the perfect time to improve your farming operation by attending Ag PhD's winter workshops and clinics. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting a bunch of free workshops throughout January and February, with each event focusing on different subjects that all help you make more money on the farm. On January 11th, we start off with a wheat agronomy workshop, followed by two days dedicated to understanding soils and cutting fertilizer expenses. Then on Monday, January 31st, we're dedicating a whole day to drainage and the benefits of tile, followed by our corn agronomy workshop on February 1st. Finally, we'll be discussing soybean agronomy on February 15th, with the next day fully devoted to learning about one of the newest developments in increasing yields across the country, natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information on how to improve your farm, and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, all these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPVD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about sudden death syndrome in soybeans, and this is one of those diseases that there are some things you can do. So don't just think, well, had SDS, I, I'm just going to have to deal with that all the time. Y- you are, but you just make good management decisions and it doesn't have to ruin your bottom line. I did like one point that you made, Brian, earlier in the show and you said, you know, if we take away that stress, now we're better able to tolerate other stresses that we know are going to come up during the season. And, and that's a great way to look at production. We're just trying to eliminate or reduce as many of the stresses as we possibly can in whatever crop we're trying to raise. So do all the things right that you can do right, and sudden death syndrome will hurt you less. So you pick the right varieties, you get the right fertility out there, you put the right seed treatments on, you do the right crop management things in season, it's less of a challenge, less of a challenge than it would be otherwise. You just can't get behind the eight ball, though, because as Travis Gustafson made the comment, once you get that infection in the roots, it, it's going to show up later in the season at some point. So you 
you've already missed the boat in terms of stopping it. You've got to do something to protect that seed and young seedling very, very early in the season. Yep, absolutely. And I'll just say this. I'm super, super excited about 2022. In our region of the country, we had drought this year, still had good crop, but we have so much fertility left in that soil. It's unbelievable in a lot of cases. We had really good organic matter mineralization. There was nothing that leached out of the soil because we didn't have any rain. So, I mean, we are set up for next year if we just get some timely rains. And I'm just trying to say there's really good potential. And so it's easy to get down when you hear about the price of fertilizer, the price of Roundup, and the price of Liberty. But don't get down about those things. Just do some soil testing. You might be able to save a a tremendous amount of fertility. We're going to be able to cut our nitrogen in half this coming year. In half the way it looks to me with all the nitrogen we have carried over. I'm serious. Half. So, yeah, even though the price is more than double, um, I'm not going to spend, we're not going to spend on our farm a whole lot more than we normally would for nitrogen. So that's one of the things. And as far as Roundup and Liberty, I'm not even worried about that. That's a minor portion of our herbicide program anymore. we got a lot better products and residual products that we can use anyway. So we're going to be talking about that and alternatives for all those things with the fertility, Roundup, Liberty, over, over these next few weeks here on the show. But for today, I guess I just want you to focus on the positive opportunity that you have for 2022 and consider that, hey, with sudden death syndrome and soybeans, it's a threat to that potential income that you can earn next year. So if you've had some in your region, at least be studying up, plan ahead a little bit. And here's the last thing that I want to leave you with on that topic. When you're talking to your seed dealer, most likely you're going to say, hey, I got to have a couple, three varieties that are real good on SDS. And the seed dealer is going to go, okay, yep, here, plant these, this, 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 and this. Okay. Now, What happens sometimes when you get to the spring and you call up the seed dealer and say, all right, well, I'm ready for that seed. I'm going to come over and get it today. And the seed dealer goes, oh, you know what? Sorry, but one of those varieties we can't get anymore. But, you know, we got another one and it's it's just as good. You'll like that one. Okay, that's what they always say. But I'm just bringing that up today so you don't get caught at the last minute with a variety that is not good on SDS. Because what's going to happen is they're going to give you right now the best SDS variety. And then next spring, you're going to get the 42nd best SDS variety. And that's not going to probably work out in your favor. All right. So I would just tell you, be prepared for that. So you don't just settle for something that is inferior when you need something that's good. All right. Let's dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. And if you have a question for us, you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Surprise, surprise, Brian. Here we are. Soil temperatures are dropping. We've gotten into November, and we're getting anhydrous ammonia questions. So got two of them here. One comes from Joe in Minnesota, and another one comes from Matt in Illinois. Uh, So Joe's question, can I put anhydrous on and then deep rip at 10 to 12 inches afterwards? Matt has kind of the same question. He said, heavy dark soils here in central Illinois. We are wet. We have been wet. We're done harvesting and putting anhydrous on our bean stubble ground. Our question is, can we go back in and do some tillage and work that ground and clean up some ruts and those types of things? 
after the anhydrous has been put on. Yep, anhydrous is on. Sure. Yeah, you can. I mean, I don't like that, and here's why. I just don't want to have you turn that soil over so much that all of a sudden you got your anhydrous down well in the ground, and now you get some back up to the soil surface and you lose some up in the air. I'm not, I would say, super worried about it, but if you're going to do that, try to put your anhydrous as deep as possible, and that will minimize that risk of loss. So, yeah, in the future, and, and like what we do on our farm is we try to take care of any of that deep tillage stuff first, then we worry about fertilizer. All right. Thanks for the questions, guys. Uh, I got this one from Brady, and he said, I'd love to hear you guys talk about getting high yields on wheat after grazing cattle on the wheat first. Is it possible for me to still obtain high yields in wheat, 80 bushel to even 120 bushel, after I graze cattle in the fall and winter? Just wondering, what would we look at for fertility? When would we have to put it on so it doesn't hurt the cattle and so it benefits the wheat the most? And uh, just curious what you think about that. Well, can you still have good yield? Yes, but you're... You're you're definitely causing some stress on definitely that wheat. definitely want your cake and eat it too right <laughs> right uh, so you can but in terms of let's specifically answer the fertilizer question first so our advice to you is for phosphorus potassium zinc copper any of these nutrients that don't move in the soil I'd get all those out ahead of seeding so in other words late summer early fall get as much as you can on and get it down into the ground so then you don't have the risk of the cattle are are, are there they're going to get into it anything else okay so that's the first thing in terms of how do you maximize yield after that point I, I mean my fear is that you're going to damage these plants a little bit so how do we how do we help a plant recover best from damage? We have fantastic fertility levels. So I'd want to make sure that you you know everything is great. Not good, not okay, but great. So I want great levels of P and K and zinc and copper and manganese and you know all these things. And then you have to have some nitrogen to get you started, but then you're going to have to stream bar more in the spring. That would be our suggestion for nitrogen, sulfur, and boron since those are leachable nutrients. Uh, beyond that, fungicide is going to be really important because you're going to have plants that are going to be damaged. They're, they're going to be dinged up to some degree. Now, I'm not just talking about fungicide in the spring. I'm also talking about fungicide in the fall. What we found is there are plant health benefits if you use certain fungicides, especially ones that contain a strobilurin, uh, like Headline, Avito, Quadris, those, those kinds of products, in, somehow in your mix. But anyway, you, you do that in the fall, so then you have as healthy a plant going into this grazing and trampling and everything else that you're going to get over the late fall, winter, that kind of thing. So I would be spraying a fungicide really early before I'm turning the cattle out. Now, if you can't do that, you can't do that. But I'm just saying if you did some in the fall and you don't have to spend much, I'm talking five bucks, that that's going to help you. So those are probably the things that I would look at. And yes, it's still possible to get a good yield. I just wouldn't count on the greatest yield ever because let's face it you already took some of the dollars off your field because of the grazing all right thanks for that we appreciate it 
Uh, get this one in from Tom, and he said you guys are talking about controlled traffic in fields to reduce compaction. The other thing we've been using is some tracked equipment. It's helped a lot, but sometimes it's not possible to add tracks on, on different types of equipment. One thing that's been really nice is Case IH had brought out tracks earlier than other companies, so if you can't swing a newer tractor, you could still benefit by purchasing an older quad track system. I'm running a couple of them on my grain carts. Hey, Tom, thanks for, for adding that in there. You know, the controlled traffic thing is a big deal, and it's important to to keep your traffic up the same tracks as much as you possibly can to reduce compaction throughout the field. We were just talking today about sudden death syndrome is one thing that, man, if you've got compaction, it's hard to keep things like sudden death syndrome out. So you're absolutely right. The tracks can certainly help. Hey, thanks for the feedback. Really appreciate that. And thanks for your support. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag, and we'll dive into more of your questions right after this. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering all this and more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There is a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window, makes life simple and it's the secure choice 
with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time here in the Morton studio. If you'd like to send us an email, it's radio at agphd.com. All right, Brian, got a rice question for you. This one comes from Larry. Well, kind of a rice question. He said, we've got most of our ground on grade for row watering soybeans or furrow rice. We've got a lot of problems, though, in the spring with the bottom 200 feet of the field being too wet. So questions here for you. Would you put tile in the bottom of the field? Would that be effective to use just for a portion of the season? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I'm not a rice farmer, and I don't know exactly. Well, I, let's put it this Here's, way: you got you're gonna have to be able to block that tile off. Yeah, yeah. That you can would have be a the control, whole thing. Have right. a control structure on yes, the tile where you can let it to. run when you want to, and you could shut it off. Yep. So you definitely have to invest in that. Yeah. So okay. I would say yeah. Okay. Then the next question: How did you guys get experience putting drainage tile in fields? You talk about having your own drain plow. Uh, Just wondering, how did you find the right equipment, and where did you get your experience? There are only a few companies that have plows that have automatic guidance systems, and we got one of the very first ones that was ever made because it was right when GPS could go together with these automatic control systems that they would put on. So anyway, this that was back in 2007. So today there are a few systems out there. I would just say you just have to do your homework a little bit. And you know, one of the other big things I think for both Darren and me, we picked up from our dad is don't be afraid to make some mistakes, but you got to try some new things. And obviously it helps if you're not on your very last dollar on your farm. If you have some capital to try stuff, it's not that expensive. And worst case scenario, you buy a plow, use it for a couple, three, four years. You don't like it. Or let's say you get all your tiling done, then you go sell it. So how much can you possibly lose? Not that much. Um, But you know, there are just there are a lot of things where we try stuff and people go, "Oh, you're nuts! That's crazy!" And I can't believe you're doing that. Whatever, I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. We just we're willing to try stuff. But the tile thing, I mean, we knew that that would pay. I honestly didn't think it was going to pay as much or as quick as it did. Now we were lucky when we were putting in the majority of the tile on our farm. It was in that range of, uh, well, it would have been really 2008 to about 2013 when. Crop prices were unbelievably great, and so I would say 80% of our tile projects paid off in one year, not five, not 10, not 20, one year. So when commodity prices are good, I think we often as farmers forget, and we say, oh, well, input costs have gone up so much. Okay, I understand that, and I, I don't like the fact that input costs are up, but what I do like is that my grain is worth so much money. So that means that anything that I do pays off way better than when the crop price is low. So I'd rather have high crop prices and higher input costs as opposed to low and low, because when it's high and high, I'd have a lot of opportunity for things like tile to really pay off. Anyway, so that's just a little bit of our story. All right. Got this question from Gary, and he said, what would you guys think about applying 100 pounds of actual urea 
and 150 pounds of actual ammonium sulfate in southeast South Dakota on medium to heavy ground this fall. Okay, ammonium sulfate, again, no problem. Will, will we put any urea out in the fall? No. I just don't like it because it, you're gonna like, it's going to convert to nitrate soon. So we're, I'm worried you're going to lose it to leaching or denitrification or, for that matter, even volatility if you don't till it in immediately. you got about 48 hours after you put urea on before you have to till it in. Whereas ammonium sulfate, I'm not that worried. The nitrogen's in the ammonium form. We, we usually put on 100 to 200 pounds of ammonium sulfate on a lot of fields in the fall. Works great. Love it. I'm all for that. Now, the one thing I would say, if you want to throw that urea out there, you can throw some out, but you're hoping, you're really hoping that, quite frankly, it's going to get tied up. So if you've got a bunch of residue and it can get tied up somehow in the residue and with the bacteria and everything, that's probably fine. But you definitely don't want to be putting very much out. Your risk of loss is just great. And for me, urea in the fall, that risk of loss is too great. That's why we don't do it. Second question that he had is, are you worried about availability and price of nitrogen for spring? No. Would you just take product now like you're recommending with chemicals? Uh, Okay. Well, the question was, am I worried? I am not worried. Now, if I, I could be dead wrong. So I'm just saying here, if you're really super worried about it, then get it in the fall and, and just have it over with, and then you don't have those worries. One of the things our dad often talked about when he said, I'm always going to use a pre, always, 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 I'm never skipping the pre-emerge herbicide because I can't sleep at night knowing that I got to get a post-emerge herbicide out there time just right. And he said, it's too hard on my nerves. It's too hard on my body. I don't want to worry. So if the worry is going to kill you over the next five months, then by all means, get your fertilizer. But for me, am I worried? No, I'm not. So we have almost all our ground is loaded up very well. We could even skip the year on fertilizer with P and K and almost every nutrient for the most part, not entirely, but we could just go with, let's say some agri-liquid fertilizer we use with the planter. We could get by on everything other than nitrogen for this year if we really wanted to anyway. So we're in great shape. And with the nitrogen, here's my theory. Well, number one, if you haven't tested your soil, please test your soil. We have some ground where we have 200 pounds of nitrogen left over. I can't believe it. I have no idea. Well, I do know where it came from. Organic matter mineralization must have been way higher than we've ever expected. And we lost none because we had no rain. So anyway, we've got all kinds of nitrogen there. So in most of our corn ground, yeah, we might have put a little bit of ammonium sulfate out. Or uh, in some fields, we get manure. So that's great. But where we need nitrogen, we're just going to wait till spring and side dress. And I'm hoping that by then the prices come down. So, I, again, I could be dead wrong, and maybe this is a stupid thing that we're doing, but we're taking our chances. <laughs> well, you're always taking a chance because you never know. If, if everybody knew 100% yep. which way things are going, uh, well, okay. then everybody do, the, would just do it. The last time fertilizer got this nuts, it was back in 2008. And what happened in that spring then is the two of the largest co-ops in Iowa went bankrupt because they had all this fertilizer on hand that they bought in the fall. People didn't want to buy it because the price was ridiculous. And by spring, the price was half. And so they had to sell all this fertilizer for half and they they lost all kinds of money, went bankrupt. And I'm not saying that's going to happen again. Who knows? It might be twice the price in this. I don't know what it's going to be. I just know at these levels, I'm willing to take my chances. 
All right. Uh, thanks for the question on that. Uh, this one comes from uh, F88, who says, what do you think about putting compost on pasture ground? If you did it, would you do it in the fall? Would you do it in the winter? When would you like to see that done? I don't know that I have a real big problem with that other than this. The phosphorus that's in that compost isn't going anywhere. It's going to lay on the soil surface, and I don't love that on highly erodible land. So if it's flat, I'd feel pretty comfortable. If it's not, then you do run that risk of, okay, so let's say your pasture is right by a lake or a river. Well, if you get big rains, maybe some of that compost and or maybe your soil in that top tenth of an inch that's now loaded up with phosphorus runs off into that lake or river, that would concern me. So other than that, I'm not, like I say, super worried. You can put it out there, but it's just any of the immobile nutrients like phosphorus, copper, zinc, they're just not going down into the soil much. It's going to take years and years and years and years and years. All right. Thanks for, for that. Really appreciate that. Uh, got this one from Chris, and he sent a couple of soil tests here that we'll get after, right, or we'll, we'll get into here right after this next break. And uh, Chris said, we've had some dry weather, and we've got some large sloughs that are dry for the first time since the 1980s. I'm wondering about, should we go in those sloughs and reclaim some of that black soil and place it back on our eroded <laughs> hilltops? Now, here's the catch. There are some problems with that dirt that's down in the sloughs, which you will quickly find out as you look at my soil samples. And just wondering if there is a dollar value per cubic yard to, to determine if it was worth it or not. Uh, boy, there's a lot to get into here with Chris's question. And uh, if you've got soil tests you'd like us to look at or an agronomic question from your farm, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll dive into Chris's question right after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. 
While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. And we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your questions throughout the rest of the show. And our email box is pretty full, but you can sure send your questions in, radio at agphd.com, and we will get through them. Uh, okay, Chris up in North Dakota, I believe. Is that, oh, I'm sorry, was it Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan, sorry. Uh, and he said, we've got had dry weather. We've got some large sloughs that are dry for the first time since the 80s. Just wondering, we've got black soil in there. We want to put it back up on the eroded hilltops, but the sodium levels are really high. And I'm wondering if that would leach out with some rain and wondering if there's a dollar value per cubic yard that could be established. Uh, the soil test of the slough bottom ground is called Big Slough yeah, on the test. Hey, thanks for the test here, Chris. And you know what? This is a situation that happens, and it's happened to us too, where we've picked up ground that had some eroded side hills. Where did that dirt go? Well, it went down into the low parts well, of the field. Well, even for ground that we've owned, when, when we clean out ditches, what do we do with it? We take it back out into the field and, and hit those eroded hilltops. But here's the thing. It's not like you're going to put that much out there. So yes, you've got sodium levels as high as six and 7%. But if you spread that out, let's say an inch thick over those hilltops, what did it really change? Not a whole lot. So you spread it out enough that it's no big deal. And will sodium leach out with rain? Well, on its own, sodium's not leachable. And that's one of the things I, I think we, we always have to keep in mind. The way that we can make it leachable is, number one, we have to have good drainage. So if you don't have tile in your ground, which I'm assuming you don't, uh, that's something for you to consider, especially because you've got a pretty high cation exchange capacity. On average, we're talking 20 for cation exchange capacity. So real similar to the type of ground that we farm. If you get if you get that taken care of, get some tile out there, that's good. A lot of your calcium levels are good, 75% probably on average. That's what we're looking for, 65 to 75% on average. So if you have that, you have good organic matter, and you have tile, you will have pretty good soil porosity and, and be able to flush those flush the sodium out if you turn it into a salt. And how you turn it into a salt is with sulfur. So 
I, I would say this. In your big slough, obviously, it's a slough. You don't have drainage out of that, and so that's the reason why you have, in the one case, 738 pounds of sulfur sitting there and 7.1% sodium. So if allowed to drain, that sulfate will combine with the sodium, and you should be in fairly good shape that way. So yes, it's possible. You might have to add a little more sulfur eventually, but right now you do not. So I'd just go spread that out there, and I think you'll be in pretty good shape. The only thing that's, to me, a little bit disappointing with that black dirt that you're talking about is it's still really low in nutrients. There's almost no phosphorus in it, very little potassium in it. Um, there is a little bit of zinc, which I've, I, I guess I'm, I shouldn't say that's too surprising because zinc doesn't move in soil, so it's going to stay with the soil that's eroded. So that would be the reason why the zinc is high. But you know, I, I was disappointed that you didn't have more P and K in that. That's a lot of times what we're hoping for is that, oh, we'll go spread that black dirt and we get a bunch of free fertilizer out there. So basically what I'm trying to tell you is, yep, I'd go spread it and basically count on no fertilizer being in it. Um, it's just, it's high in organic matter. And so I, I don't know. I, that's part of the reason why I don't know how much it's worth it other than if you need to move it so you have better drainage. So if it's just literally, I, I'm not going to improve my drainage at all, but I think this dirt is really good, so I want to put it up there, I wouldn't waste your time. That dirt's no better than what you got uh, up above, and all of it's low in fertility, so you need fertility either way. All right, thanks for the questions, Chris, and good luck. This one comes in from John in northern Colorado. He said, I was thinking about doing a pre-emergent this next year in my corn, and I was reading up on products like SureStart, Resicor, Keystone NXT and Acuron. We graze our stocks right after combining, and then in the spring we run a, a strip-till machine through and plant a few days after that. Just wondering which of these products would be the best, or if there's something else I should be looking at. Also wondering, should I put something like Roundup or a 2,4-D in there as well? Just wondering what rates you'd recommend, and and would you apply this before or after running the strip-till? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Before or after running the strip till, or wait until after planting. Oh my we goodness! Do, we do have I'm, irrigation as well. Okay, I'm con I'm confused. Say it. Say it one more time. He's going to graze stalks in the fall. Yes. In the spring, he wants to run a strip till machine through. Yep. And plant. Fine. Okay. He's wondering when he should do a pre-emerge herbicide, and which one would he do, and. Would you need a Roundup or a 2,4-D for additional burn down? Well, them, you don't them. need an additional burn down if there are no weeds up. So it all depends on how early you get stuff out there. So here's what we like to do in our strip-till ground. If we're going to do it in the spring, then this is a little bit different. When we strip-till in the fall, then we'll go out as early as we possibly can in the spring. Even when the ground is frozen in the mornings, thawing in the afternoons works fantastic. That way we cause no soil disturbance. But in your case, you need soil disturbance with the strip-till anyway, and I... I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm worried with your strip-till machine that you're going to move that herbicide. So I would probably do the strip-till first, and then I would do the herbicide. In effect, that's really what we're doing in our farm, too. It's just our strip-till is in the fall, and then we'll apply the herbicide in the spring. But, yeah, I, I you're just going to have to wait until after those cattle get off in the spring, strip-till it, and then go spray your herbicide. What would I use? Depends on what you're, what you're really after for weeds. So a lot of guys this year are trying to get away from Roundup. So they're going to 
full rate of a group 15. So that's something like harness, surpass, outlook, dual, zidua. So if you're in that camp where you say, I'm not spending 10 to $15 an acre on Roundup when it should have cost me three. No way. I'm not doing it. So then you got to go back to what we did in the old days, which is full rate of the group 15. If you don't use a full rate of the group 15, you almost for sure will have to spray grass later on. And that's, you know, you can do it, but the Roundup is just more expensive. Now, if, if you say, well, I just need enough Roundup in there post-emerge so I can kill my grass. Okay, we can get by with a pretty low rate as long as you're throwing it with something like, let's say, Callisto and Atrazine, uh, or just Callisto. Atrazine will hurt the Roundup a little bit, but whatever. The, the point is, if you're trying to get away from Roundup, go to a full rate of group 15. If you're mainly concerned about broadleaf weeds, then I use something like Verdict or SureStart or Triple Flex so you get those broadleaf weeds under pretty decent control. You don't get as much grass activity, but at least you get the broadleaves mostly taken care of, and then you hit the broadleaves again post-emerge. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, get this one in from John in central Alabama. He said, I've got coastal Bermuda grazing grass, and I have plantain weeds out there. Now, what can I do to stop those plantains? Okay, first of all, John, and I, I know you're probably looking for what do I spray to kill those. I know we talk about this quite often on the show, but we really want to get the best pasture stand we can. So we recommend soil testing the pasture, making sure your fertility is up to snuff, making sure you get your pH in line, all those kinds of things to give your grass the best shot to compete. And then use rotational grazing to, to keep the cattle from overgrazing certain areas and, and improve the regrowth in those areas by just keeping them in for a few days and then moving them to the next part of the pasture. That kind of stuff can really help, and then you don't have to use any chemicals. Now, let's just say that the plantain is taken over the pasture and you have no other choice now but to spray. Then there are a lot of different things. So what do you think about perennial weed control, Brian, with products like Freelex or 2,4-D and Dicamba or Distinct? Do you think that we can do well, enough job on those perennials, sure. or do you think we have to get well, something involved like a tordon? Yeah, but when you say perennials, I thought it was plantain that we're concerned about, and I'm not that worried about plantain. So if you tell me it's Canada thistle or it's leafy spurge or something. Rhizomes. Right. Then I'm more worried about it. So the plantain, no, I'm not that concerned. I just go hit it. You're going to ding it up pretty good, and worst case scenario, you have to spray it again. All right. Thanks for the question. And then this one comes from Brian, who says, I hear you guys have been sampling for remaining nitrogen in your soils. Do you have any issues if we did that in the spring? And would you suggest no, we do it pre-plant or pre-side dress? We're normally side dress applying nitrogen in 10 to 15 CEC soils in northern Illinois. Yeah. So if you aren't going to put any nitrogen on until side dress anyway, then there's no point in testing now. But if you were going to spray, you're going to apply some either this fall or real early in the spring, you want to test now. And here's the reason why. Because if you don't need much, you're probably thinking, oh, I got to buy some so I have it ready to go for early spring because your fertilizer dealer is probably telling you shortage, shortage, shortage. Buy now, buy now, buy now. Well, why? That That's the situation we're in. So I just said, no, you know what? We don't need any nitrogen. We're going to get by till side dress time. We'll test then. We'll see what we have then. And I'm certainly hoping the price comes down. Yeah, we definitely will need some nitrogen at side dress time in some of the fields and some of the acres. But we'll, we'll again, we'll pull another test at that time just to see where we're at and how much we need. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.